Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Brooke is coming to us from uh, hot from Michigan. Yeah, (laughs) we are here. It is, um, I did, I took a picture. It's a very insidery in the service industry photo but we went out for dinner last night and uh we had a server who did the you know knows how to write his name upside down with a black crayon on the piece of uh you know pull out construction paper on top of the table and I was like I have not seen that in a hot minute that is very like Michigan trying to be fancy you know where he's like hey my name is David as he writes it upside down and I I had to take a photo because it tickles me it tickles my funny bone that gives me like a real first day of school feels. It was like it Mr. Was really David. Uh, anyone's ever seen that and been like, so are you married, David? Because were <laughs> they like, oh, banquet captain, my captain. <laughs> fell upside down. Oh, yeah. So the other, and then to add to the fantastically Michigan experience, too, of like my family and everyone, all of us trying to be elevated because we have been around the block a little bit. We're not just, you know, Midwesterners through and through, but I learned from my mom that you can decant a $7 bottle of Pontificus, uh, like shitty Grenache Syrah from Trader Joe's. She's like, go pick up a bunch of bottles of those. Your father and I decant it. And so I'm drinking decanted Trader Joe's wine as I speak to you all. Are you like, mom, I I decant with this. I can't even decant with this. I just decant right now. Well, you guys, welcome to Sidework Podcast. I am your host, Andrea Wallace. I'm your other host, Brooke Van Poplin. And you guys joining us today from L.A., a friend of mine for years. So excited to have her on the podcast. We've got Sita Zimmer with us today. Hi, Sita. Oh, howdy. How are how how's things? How's life? It's going well. Uh, I currently am in the midst of a very busy holiday pre-holiday season, so I am taking care of myself and eating out and ordering from caviar as much as I want. There we go. You said those like magic words where it's just like, oh God, it is that time of year. It's pre-holiday nonsense time, and. Um... Do tell why why do the holidays get really busy for you? So I I run an online Instagram live sale crystal shop and oh yes yes okay. it is you know a great time for everybody that is a huge rock nerd like myself to gift all their friends rocks to mm-hmm. get them on the rock and roll train. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so great. And the best business name I've ever heard, which is Hippie QVC. 
which stands for Quest Vision Crystals. But of course, is a nod to home shopping because yes. all Instagram live shopping is is home shopping. Network. It is, you know, okay, that immediately brings up two very specific points. Instagram has had so many iterations of like what it has been in my life for 12 years, which is also like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I've had this app has been in, in control of me for 12 years or whatever. But it was just like, look, I'm sharing photos and being artistic and staying away from the drama on Facebook. You know, <laughs> then it was like, oh, what's a selfie? Then it was like, I should promote all my shows. Now it's just online shopping. Yeah. I, I'm on Instagram to, to buy blouses from Australia, I guess. A hundred percent. Which is amazing for you. Yeah. During the pandemic, it was one of the things that really, this the community was what sustained my sort of mental health, basically. It was one of the best places to go and at least feel like a bunch of people who love crystals, rocks, minerals, geology, all got to hang out together and chat twice a week. And then on top of it, it was also a great way to have a business during a absolutely unprecedented and disastrous time in our yeah. lives. It was it was a your as this word we've used a million times on this podcast during the past 18 months, your big pivot pivot. You know? mm -hmm. I knew what was coming. Um, Can I also add to this, too? It's just a funny like fold it all in back home with parents. It used to be my job because my mom uh, still does. It just has phases, has a definitely a shopping addiction. So now it's online, but it used to be QVC. <laughs> and my job was to run interference and get home early to take the box off the porch and hide it in the upstairs closet so my dad wouldn't get on her case about all the online or the the tv shopping she was doing at wow so, uh, <laughs> accessories for accessories uh -huh. oh man that's great and so see you know, let we will dive in we want we will hear you a little bit more in depth but let's cover a little a little top of show first um Brooke, it, this is our 150th episode that we have released. Okay, I'm going to do um, a manual air horn. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to grab the old Buka Bell. Um, I, I would hit it 150 times, but everybody would unsubscribe. <laughs> um, but, wow, I was like, holy shit, girl, we have sh we've shown up to this shift together 150 times. It's pretty cool. I, I do have to say we are, um, so Sita, we are almost officially three years in because when you do the math, uh, it's going to be a little bit over 150 episodes, which equals wow. showing up every Friday uh, for this stuff. But it feels, uh, in many ways, I will say in this, you know, where I fell out of caring about stand-up as much and had phases where I really 100% had no control over my career this podcast with you, Andrea, has been a constant and I appreciate you and I love you. I appreciate and love you, too. I, I agree. You know, the fact that we would like think about how much we've gone through together, like what the world has gone through. And we kept doing this like on the constant um, has only made us stronger. And I hope, you know, and we know our listeners love us and we're so we love them. So it's just, I don't know. I got a lot of feels for you today, girl. <laughs> Me too. Happy, happy 150th. Happy oh, 150th. Happy anniversary, guys. I'm really Thanks. honored to be a part of it. Yeah. Thank you. No, again, like you're saying, kismet, it's all good. Welcome to the 150th. Season. <laughs> 
All right, well, let's keep... 150 more. You guys, I know, yeah, right? Oh my god, that'd be like the longest serving job we've ever had. (laughs) When we get to 300, that's like doing a double for a podcast. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) absolutely. Um, so let's jump into some headlines. Um. First headline today out of Eater. We love Eater, you guys. So turns out, and I feel like we haven't really like dived into like a super crazy political headline in a minute, but we all know that everybody is still understaffed. Uh, We know nobody wants to go back to work. Um, So this article is saying essentially companies are starting to rethink, right, Mm -hmm. like how they move and better the business from a server point of view from a worker point of view which is like blowing my fucking mind so there's a gofundme for um a pop-up a community-driven tasting menu restaurant called hags that is in new york and their vision they're saying don't be surprised if you were to come in and see our staff sitting down um you know they think front of house should be able to sit i think that and we've never really talked about this either is that like when you're sitting in a restaurant as a server, you're seen as being lazy. It's like right. not a good look to customers. And these guys are like, uh-uh, fuck all that. Like you're on your feet for hours. Even if you're working a double, if you're in the kitchen all day, just grueling and horrible, horrible conditions on your right. body. And I think uh, we all know that there's just like such a big difference between like, if you're actually, you know, when you're in the thick of it, you're moving, you're doing your thing it's it's better just fluid motion for your whole body but when you are standing for the sake of standing to look like you respect the people who walk in the door and you respect the nature of the job it's like that is just a myth that we made up that we you know it's like we made the rule let's break the rule because this is so fucking stupid yeah the whole if you can't take the heat get out of the kitchen line is is by is bye bye guys well and Uh, the fact that you mentioned that like i didn't know it never occurred to restaurants that they could put really good ac systems in the kitchen so that they're back of house and chefs weren't keeling over from heat exhaustion. That is a number one absolute top priority on a lot of these bigger business, especially a lot of like, you know, restaurant groups that are adopting this. And it is also actually going to be a federal law, an OSHA law passed down by Biden that heat exhaustion for workers is now going to be against the law, more or less. So God. people going and I know what the fuck, you know, <laughs> like d- gone are the days. Can you imagine like your line cooks, like not sweating everywhere and actually being like pelted with nice cooling air? I think it would really lighten the mood on a Friday night. Uh, there might be a lot less uh, emotional and physical abuse coming from back of house, you know, because they're so overheated and not thinking correct on top of already being, you know, malignant uh, humans in society. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> Even going, you know, as far as like a company called Kindred in North Carolina, it's taking the time to rethink like service stations and making them less cramped and more efficient. Panda Express, which if you guys has been if you've been to a Panda Express, you know that like people are cooking in huge walks all the time behind the line. They're going to rethink on like less heavy lifting and like more efficient cooking and everything being a little bit more close together so people aren't completely straining their bodies. Isn't there some sort of like 
uh, awareness of that when people are just like miserable, that that in some way transfers into the food that you eat. And when people are like filled with comfort, joy and peace, that that in its own way, like the, your food doesn't get better because somebody is yelling at the top of their lungs to like take their tweezers and make the most beautiful curly cue of radish you've ever seen. It's like, didn't we all see for like water for chocolate? Like, yes. you gotta put that in your food. And I, I think that this elevated sense of uh, anxiety within a kitchen doesn't create the passion. I think the passion comes from focus and focus can only be attained with a certain level of comfort and decency in the space around you. Absolutely. I think it's just one more, like we just have to, we have to rebuild so much. Like everything is so broken. I, I, I hope this is just the first of many attempts to listen to your workers, assess the situation, make their working conditions better. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a really good step in the right direction. So this article is very, very fun to read. Yeah. And again, we're going to see it implemented in only a few places. It will be a long time. I mean, at the, at the very least, you know, it it can be like an OSHA regulation, at least for the heat exhaustion. So like there is that protection. It's hopeful, again, like not to be, you know, the devil's advocate or, or just maybe the realist in this sense of the word is just that like restaurants are so under the radar with everything that they get away with. So it's got to, you know, that's, and that's really what it is. Like everything's right. so illegal all the time. Right. Like, right. <laughs> I know. It's like to watch to watch the restaurant industry suddenly really get above board, I think is catching the eyes and ears of regular citizens who've never participated in this line of work going like, I'm sorry, what happens at the restaurant? You know, like you do what? Under what conditions? That's nuts. So I'm I mean, hoping that there'd be more of an outcry and outrage yes. about these working conditions. And, I mean, just yeah. as much as like owners not wanting to have floor mats to like fatigue mats under the feet of their workers because they're unsightly. Like this is the kind of shit that's being pointed out in these, you know? Well, and it's funny because that sounds like it's coming from like the basically the opinion of a fancier restaurant you know what mm -hmm. i'm saying which is like oh well you're supposed to be this elevated experience and yet you're like i don't want you know i don't want uh fatigue mats back here because oh god they just clash with the decor it's like who's even back there it's so that your employees can go home with some semblance of a spine you know still in place i know and not like slip on like a down a weird drain and like break their ankle which <sighs> is very real behind the line so so more of this happy happy to have it um, that's cool you know and I looked at the article too and I was like illustrated by Carolyn Feigl I was like that is my ex-boyfriend's new uh like long I guess their relationship's longer than ours was at this point but my ex is a really talented illustrator he's been dating now for at least three or four years and equally if not more talented illustrator and uh she did all the beautiful art for this that article is so fun that is I great. know for your safety, please remain seated. Next article. <laughs> this is something we've already talked about is robots taking jobs over in the service industry, Sita. Um, specifically, there's a company in Pasadena we talked about that has a machine called Flippy. Uh, 
uh, that basically fries, fries, flips burgers, uh, costs about $2 an hour, you know, which is much less than an actual human being costs to get paid hourly. So new hot on the scene. We've got a uh, robot, a server. Yeah. (laughs) Move, move over robot back of house. The robot front of house is already here. They're on, um, what is it called? Hot schedules or whatever. They're fighting with each other, trying to swap shifts. Yeah. Servi is the name of robot. Have you tried unplugging it and plugging it back in? <laughs> exactly. Ah, that's so funny. Uh, so Servi is this robot's name. Costs about $1,000 a month. Okay. So a human server would make between twenty-five to 31000 annually, while a Servi's annual cost, including installation and support, all plug-in and plug-outs included, $12,000 a year. Okay. <laughs> the robot delivers food from the kitchen to the table to I'm sorry, to the table, navigating with lasers and sensors. Like I said, it's a it's a Roomba bringing you your food. So, here's where it starts to be like, okay, I could get behind this. Okay. So, because the robots allow wait staff to spend more time talking to customers and serve more tables, tips have surged using these. So, I think they're more of a robot food runner than an actual a back waiter if you will yes um and many eateries are are, are getting them because they're understaffed and they also clean bathrooms and do floors fry food and even make cocktails i do not (laughs) think that the fucking night porter bathroom cleaner gets programmed to also touch the food line during the same <laughs> shift. I, I would right. hope to God. He like short circuits, comes out with his mop and your burger. <laughs> he's just like a toilet plunger. And- oh, do you need anything else? <laughs> like dripping mop water on everyone. Do you need anything else? Uh, you want some more? <laughs> what a weird world we live in. Uh <laughs> I the part that was like, oh, you mean you have the robot runs the food and the robot cleans the bathroom? I'm fucking in. Bring me the robot. I'll take those tips. Like that part, I'm I I I I have I have love for. But you can do. I'm gonna we have, should program yeah. the robot to deal with hostile customers. Right. That's a good use for it. So it's, it's just yell at the robot. And I think yeah, if you get the robot to um look like a squid game robot you know at the that plays the um you know red light green light you know and you're like whoa 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 okay you know what never mind that wasn't a big deal like you see the eyes lock in on you and you're like I think I think this this robot might be a sniper uh maybe you could like if you have like a bad uh table you could like program the robot to like like crop dust your tables or some <laughs> trying to think of something totally not offensive and nonviolent and not like inducing drugs. But yes. I think just yeah, like no. a good old robot fart drive by might be a good idea. Or it just dials spectrum and puts the table on hold. Yeah. Oh boy. We're here for more robots. Uh, I mean, I guess the future is now. We have no choice. We must bend to the robot knee. We Um, must. We must. I think I'm blowing a fuse. All right, Brooke. Well, shall we get into some server 
submitted stories. It's a server submitted story. You know, it's a slightly longer one and a real, once again, pivot from what we generally talk about. But I really like it because it's service industry and let's get into it. Okay, I'm sure we can all relate heavily to this person. So, okay, hello. Oh my God, I love your podcast. I come from a long line of cleaners. Probably not robot cleaners though. You know, this is this is an all human line. Ancestry of human cleaners, okay. My mother and aunt have 40 years combined house cleaning. My grandfather was a janitor for 45 years. Their stories are something else. It's not something we really talk about with others, just ourselves. We respect privacy. But this story has been in my brain recently and I wanted to share. So I've been cleaning homes for seven years now. I work for myself and I love it. I work with headphones on. I zone out. Muscle memory takes over and I enjoy the sweet sounds of the side work podcast. It's not serving, it's not serving food or drinks. I have done that in my past. Dot, dot, dot poorly. Now I serve magic. I am providing an intimate service. Like some clients are so wonderful. You are there as their families grow for big events, et cetera, et cetera. And then other clients, not so much. And here's my worst client story. Ooh, she's coming clean. She says she does not spill the beans to the public about this shit. So this is good. All right. So she says, I was just starting out cleaning at the time. I've learned so much since this incident. I now trust my gut. The first red flag from this client was when they told me they made their original cleaning person cry when they accosted them for not cleaning kitchen cabinets well enough. Yeah, that's not probably something you want to come out of the gates with. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ. Okay. Well, then I was accused of leaving red marks on walls from my vacuum. These marks were clearly marker put there by their child. Then it was an issue with not cleaning the dust well enough. The client explained that the dust buildup on her light bulbs made them smoke. It was just that bad. You know, now I clean them every two weeks. Like, what the fuck? I've never heard of that. Okay. The issue was that she owned five cats and two dogs plus an entire family in a small home. It is the pet human dander that was doing it, not my lack of cleaning. Did she want me coming weekly? Of course not. Client felt she was already paying me far too much and let me know it. Another red flag. Finally, this client was moving. The house was for sale and I was so happy to let them go. I filled their time slot with another client and gave these new people a start date. Until then, I was to keep cleaning so the house looked good for open house showings. Ooh, baby, that is a real thing. When I was, uh, as we all know, in the midst of my open house, uh, it was like, it's like, just try not to live. Can everyone who's under this roof just try not to live? Yeah, this you're place like, I've to... never used a squeegee so much in my life. Ooh, baby. <laughs> yeah, so it is a thing. All right, so back to her. So out of the blue on a Sunday, my phone starts blowing up. It was the nightmare client. They're so excited to tell me, get this, that she had given my cleaning time slot to her neighbor whose husband had died that month. Her friends had pooled a year's worth of cleaning money to just give me in a lump sum of money to this woman for an entire year. She couldn't understand why I was so upset. I'll tell you why. Number one, I am not a servant. People don't 
own me. She couldn't just will me to another client. Like this girl got gifted. Ugh, she thought it was a quote unquote nice surprise. She was so shocked to learn I had already filled her cleaning spot when the for sale sign hit that motherfucking front lawn. Two, she hadn't even asked her neighbor if she wanted cleaning. This was also a surprise. Having a private house cleaner is so intimate. Buying a one-time you know, cleanup is one thing, but this was bi-weekly cleaning for a year without asking the neighbor and without asking me. Number three, I was not insured at the time, also working under the table. I was just a woman with a cleaning obsession and a crappy vacuum at that time. What would stop me from just taking the money and never showing up to work? It's so stupid to entrust that sort of thing to some fly-by-night person. Note, I'm now fully insured. We're all on the books above board now. Okay. So the client had arranged for all that all of her friends that had pooled the money to come for a coffee party and present the gift of me being a cleaner to the neighbor that afternoon. She thought she would be surprising me with this wonderful news. I had to tell her, no, 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 no. So this totally ruined her megalomaniacal plans. She completely flipped out. The friend group was on their way and I ruined everything. Then the guilt trip came for refusing to clean a bereaved woman's home. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You can see why we're only doing one today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the client had referred me to three other clients. So this was also held over my head as well. She threatened she would demand that her referrals drop me as a cleaner. The audacity of her demands still make my head spin. Clients said that they were, quote unquote, concerned for my finances if she left me as a client and that I should also watch my back and, quote unquote, good luck with your life because you're going to need it. I told them good luck with your move, then blocked their number and didn't speak of it to any other clients until years later when someone asked me about it. I took the high road not easy to do until today, right? She took the high road until today. My husband returned the house keys to the mailbox that day. The client's referrals, the, uh, the client's referrals never left me. They never fired me. They later admitted that they were happy when this bitch moved away. Of course, right? They were also uh, seeing red flags too, my friend. So I have never in my life felt so low when this happened. I legitimately care about my clients. I try my best every day to make things magic in their homes. I've saved marriages. I help depression. I help my elderly clients stay in their home. I will drop everything if there is a death or a holiday or if guests are suddenly coming. I will take care of your pets when you are on a vacation. I am there for you if you are my client. And to be shat upon by someone who had thought so lowly of me at the time that I cared so much for them was very crushing. So many years later, I now have a medium to tell my nightmare client story. Yay, it's us. <laughs> I wonder if she's listening. By the way, bitch, I'm doing great. That, that bitch was thrown in <laughs> on my behalf, but... <laughs> She, this wow. girl, this this girl takes the high road. That bitch was low road Van Poplin over here. So, <laughs> I have a group of regular clients I see on rotation that I care deeply for, and they care and respect for me as uh, they care for and respect me as well. So, 
always trust your gut and know that if you try your very best, you are always worth top dollar. Don't let people push you around. You are in control. Thanks again for letting me share and ramble on, Heather. Wow. Right? I've been sitting on that for a little bit because, wow. you know, we were in spooky season for a while and I was like, this is its own thing, right? It's absolutely its own thing. I think that, you know, when we have these bigger stories, I try to like hold my applause till the end in a way. But just like the faces that Cena and I were making while you were reading that where it was insane. Um, fucking fuck people. I'm just well, and also, that. yeah, like, have you watched any episodes of Made uh, on Netflix? I have yet. not yet. Um, I've watched two, and you're just like, oof. There, are, I'm getting some some major feels from this line of work. But you know, as just this is uh, doing cleaning someone's home and getting mm-hmm. so personal with them, it's just another level of service, right? Uh, absolutely. absolutely, it is on par with any other service job out there, and like it is. We all know the three of us what it's like to care so much and be so passionate about what you do. And it's hard, like even as a server, as a bartender, I did it even more so as an esthetician, because like I also provide magic, in my opinion, you know, like look at our faces. Yeah, she does. She does do magic. We're all in the magic business. And like for someone to fucking darken that shit is way too much. So bye. I'm glad she's out of your life. I'm glad she's gone. The expectation of this woman as if her time is in some way, the the woman whose house it was, uh, more important, valuable, and that this woman is just an extension of how she views time and how she wants to spend it. And then this hero complex of, oh, let me come in and save you since you're losing my account and bestow another account on upon you to make myself feel so good about what's happening. It's, it's almost like a, the narcissistic mother trope that like shoves the daughter into some sort of presentational situation. She's like, I'm going to gift you with cleaning up this coffee tea party. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's wild. It's completely just off. Uh, it's pretty fucking gone with the wind. If you ask yeah, me, like it's, you know it's what I'm saying? out of the spectrum of reality of what it, is going on with anyone else's life. Right. And it's on the spectrum of, of the many, many people in this world who don't understand or respect what the job entails and that you are, you are not to just be, you know, bought, sold and or gifted without any consent, you know? Um, so it's, it's a view that she holds about what we do or have done as workers. I have a cleaning lady. So the house I currently live in was my friend's house prior and I'm very good friends with her and when the woman was transferring the lease to me she came to me and she said you know if if you want I can keep coming and since I know the house and I have a key and all that stuff and I said yeah of course and we've built a really strong friendship over the years and her business has grown and expanded and she's hired more clients and during the pandemic people were paying her even though she wasn't showing up at their house yeah and right at the end of the pandemic she she came to me and she said Sita can I show you this text message I have a client who um paid me three times over the pandemic. And he's now asking for the return of me coming back and cleaning his house three times for free. And part of my like soul sunk because I was like, don't you dare like block that man's number because you one should just be raising your prices altogether. But two, like 
he was doing that under the guise of this is a work. Uh, this is th- we're all in a hard time. And he never right. said, like, you're going to pay me this money back. Like he just, you know, he was gifting it to her like all of us were. Because- Appreciation. My, you know, my brother is a dog walker and he had clients keep him on, even though they were all working from home. Because they're like, this is none of our faults, you know, and we're potentially going to destroy this man's livelihood, which again, none of our faults, you know, just the expectation that gets put on, you know, women of color and Mm -hmm. women who work in the cleaning industry, like, you know, you provide for me, you give me a service. And I also just sort of treat you like property, which Mm -hmm. is, you know. Or even like some sort of old module of like the help comes with the house. Like it's freaking Rebecca. What was that? Hot Hitchcock movie. Like this is Danvers comes with the house. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's very much like, yeah, sorry. Uh, You know, unless this is a person who like you have living, you're paying for them to have, you know, a guest house, their own quarters, like where it's like, this is their and like annual income and they're living like, and they are dedicated to you and you and everyone else is a fucking in, you know, independent contractor um, doing their own thing. And yeah, like, what the fuck you have no uh, claim to them other than your little time slot. That's it. That's where it starts and ends. And it can be a beautiful thing or it can be weird and abusive and you can like stunt on them like a fucking weird well, sadistic. this lady, yeah. especially if her referral clients were like, oh, we're so glad she's gone, was probably oh, like the neighborhood terror. And <laughs> she probably thought everybody fucking owed her something, especially for her to be like, for people that like out of the gates be like, mm, we, this is what we did to our old, per, you know, our old housekeeper. It's just, it's, 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 it's fucking sadistic, you know, like, <laughs> uh, but you know what? And good for her. It's she's, she's feels free enough and confident enough and good enough to share it, to air it. She still even shared it in a classy way. Um, and she's doing great. Her business sounds like it's going well. Yeah. Um, Heather, thank you so much for sharing you guys. If you have any stories, of course, inspired by any service industry, I think we're getting to that point, you know, where we can all just relate so much to each other. Um, please send them our way. Sideworkpod at gmail.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm-mm-mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Well, you guys, let's dive into the topic of the day. We, of course, have been talking to Sita about uh, Hibby QBC and, like, 
uh, her amazing crystal business, but like, let's, let's get into it right away. Since we've kind of already covered that, like your, your, your service industry, your, you know, your restaurant, your catering, you and I have, when I first met you, you were thick in, in the cater waiter biz. Knee deep. So I have to ask, did you two meet here in L.A. or in Chicago? No, we actually did meet. Uh, Sita is a client of mine at being in L.A. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's what I assumed, but I didn't know if she became a client because she knew you from other jobs or then because she was a client, then you... uh, As it happens, all the different ways with Andrea, wonderful (laughs) friendships blossom. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, okay. So actually I was thinking about it when I was thinking about, you know, okay, I'm going to come on. What was my first experience working, serving food to people? And it was actually, do you guys know the Odyssey theater in West LA? They have a snack bar that operates during intermission. Okay. Coffee and snack bar. And that was actually the first time that I ever had to, you know, service people uh, by bringing them treats. <laughs> How old were you? <laughs> I was uh, just out of CalArts. So I was like maybe 20, 21. I left CalArts before graduating. And uh, it was, an, it seemed a natural transition to like work front of house at a theater. They have three theaters there, if anyone um, is familiar with a specific place, but they're, uh, the way that they they don't hire people to be busser, bussers, ushers, snack bar patrons. They only hire one house manager, which was me. And then everybody else are people who all got like DUIs and needed to do community service. So one of their options, dead ass for community service was to work at a theater. And a lot of people took that option because it was indoors and it seemed, it was like relatively easy. You're just like passing out programs. But I mean, some people that would show up were like heavy drinkers or they had like an addiction issue and so they would show up like either under the influence and it would just be sort of like a modge podge of people and I would have their record because I would have to sign off on it then they would have to show their whatever officer that they had done that many hours and some people had like 400 hours like one guy had one what'd you do entering (laughs) like and so all I had to train them on the spot like this is how you use a cappuccino machine and I had to do it every single time and of course there were repeat people but sometimes someone only had five hours and so i would be like this is how you use this is how you take the cash this is how you serve a lemon bar don't forget to give them a napkin um that was the craziest job in my life (laughs) so that's almost like you immediately went in and like we're a banquet captain and this is you coming out of cal arts obviously like interested in acting and you hanging on to these service jobs because they they cater to you, <laughs> pun intended, and your want to be an actor, be a working actor. Yes. At the time, like I was, I was a child actor in New York and it was a really like sort of seamless transition to begin acting in LA. My manager had moved out a year before me and I was working all throughout like elementary school and high school in film and TV and commercials and, and modeling. And so it was just like super quick transition to, uh, but I did want to go to school. I gave school a try. It wasn't for me. So I decided to leave and just start working. And so I worked nights. Like I think I worked Friday and Saturday nights. And sometimes I would work one matinee on Sunday. And, you know, I, I think my thought process was at least you're at the theater, but it was. <laughs> you're so theater adjacent. Oh, I know. Totally it, it know. Was, it was like I a, know that feeling. <laughs> kick in the face of the people who sort of inhabit the Los Angeles culture, because I had people that were like 
investment bankers that had gotten their second DUI and needed to do, you know, 200 hours on top of their fines and on top of whatever was going on. And then I had people that were like, it should probably have been in clinics, but were serving lemon bars to like the midnight show of the importance of being earnest. (laughs) 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 What the f- Yeah. That's a lot. That theater made some really strong choices. The 11 p.m. shows of like classical stage productions where everyone would just fall asleep. It's like, why are we doing this? Like, why is this like not the opposite of Rocky Horror? Ah, <laughs> right. It's like, and then while everyone else falls asleep in the theater, there's the one dude who's like, time to wanky wanky. I love this late. Yeah. Gross. Let's watch a doll's house at 1 a.m. Did you hop into catering pretty quickly after that? Would you say? No. So that, well, yes and no. So I I did, I worked rigorously from the age of like, like all young chicks. It sounds even terrible saying like young chicks, but like just sort of like bright eyed, bushy tailed, like women in Hollywood who were between the ages of like 20 and 26, you're like blood in the water, you know, mm-hmm. like, so I was working to, uh, to an, an extent that I didn't have to have a side job. And then the second 27 hit, it was like, dun, dun, dun. Oh. <laughs> like, you no know, more high school, no more like, um, that demo was, was gone. Yeah, for sure. You can't play a teenager anymore. You can't play Yeah. So, and then the only thing that was becoming, I wasn't yet the young mom. So Ooh, yeah, it was some yeah. sort of weird phase. And I was like, oh my God, a new job. So I went to Craigslist and I found a job to cater at the Wilshire Ebel. which <laughs> just like, I'm laughing because if there's, if there's anyone who's listening who like <laughs> ever had to do that, they would just be like, oh my God, what a crazy situation because the kitchen staff were all ex-convicts who needed a transitory like non-violent offenses who needed like a transition job because this place was just really cheap for some reason so they were all under this chef and then all of the wait staff were like actor slash models who had like the work ethic of what you would think an actor slash model has the work ethic (laughs) of like it was, right. you know, they would go from like being on set all day and people handing them food and catering to them to like trying to lift these drink carts and set up bars and dealing with the public. And it was just a mess. Like the whole staff was just like drunk all the time. Like <laughs> We were paid like nothing. We were paid like $11 an hour. We were never tipped. It was a disaster. <laughs> and I then think you would I've walk complete- in the kitchen and it was I'm- like... Jojo and like Dicey from the just got out of state and they're cool, but you know, they're going through whatever they're going through as well. You know, like they're going through just being out, like being out of the system. (laughs) It was just crazy. I'm totally on the website right now. Um, I had to look it up because I think I I've, I have only lived in LA. Um, I am going on my almost six year birthday, which is kind of mind blowing. That's crazy mm-hmm. to me. But I know that, you know, you've seen it like in all of its glory for longer than six years. Right. And it's just like, I think I've been here and I absolutely, this is where I have a story where the catering staff, um, cause I was at some sort of goofy premiere party that true TV paid for. And I've tried to 
to the best of my ability, explain this cater waiter bartender who it wasn't even that like he didn't know how to make a drink. He was like, I'm sorry, can you tell me what a glass is? I'm a little <laughs> unclear what a glass you call this ice. This is and then it goes in the what is this again? Like it was we my old roommate, I took him as my date and we were like, what the fuck? Like how many tabs of acid did this dude do? And it, but it wasn't even that he was high. He was like, I'm so out of my element right now. Putting ice in a glass. Because they didn't tell me I was going to have to do this. Was like, hop on the bar, Sam. <laughs> Sam was just like, OK. <laughs> This is like really coming together. This is all making sense to me now. We had like, in terms of just like tomfoolery that went on, like there, the the guy that was in charge of all the wait staff, he would never pay you for doubles. You would never get overtime. All the highly illegal shit we're talking about. (laughs) So he would just like forget to pay staff. Paychecks would be weeks late. You know, he would unfairly give people raises and not other people sort of depict de- based on how hot he thought you were was was the spectrum that was the sure. game and then on top of it like i think it was just an environment where a bunch of people who sort of just needed a little bit of cash got flung together and realized like they just didn't care about your wedding or your banquet or your true TV premiere. (laughs) Like collectively the staff was just like, we care enough to like sometimes pick up a glass, (laughs) but we don't care enough to like, if you ask us for something like that was a thing. Like if you would ask someone, you would have to ask five people and maybe someone would do it. You all like bare minimum because then we all found out what we were getting billed at, and you know, for weddings, we were getting billed at like 38 to 42 dollars a person, and we were all getting paid, you know, 11 12 dollars an hour. Wow, everyone just who like where's where's the level like of effort beyond like personal morals? (laughs) That's fucking crazy. They were Andrea, they were the embodiment of like decant, even right? I just see you guys, you're like, like entrees haven't even gone down and you're like, everybody's like on their fourth smoke break. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. When we had to do ballet service, that was another thing. We would rehearse several times and, you know, ballet services, when everyone goes out in a line Mm. and you drop with your left first, then you move over past the plate to your left hand and you drop again and you do it coordinated. We would run through this like I've never seen anything it like opening night of wicked we would run through this over and over and over again like we've got to get we've we've got to get the last kickball change kickball (laughs) change and then we drop the entree to the left when I say half the staff would be out doing ballet service to half the table someone would move to another table the chicken would be the fish the fish would be the veg no one forget it no one is jacked (laughs) Oh my I, god! I'm in I'm in awe that like you kept showing up and like didn't get fired and the not giving a fuck was just like it is what it is. This is a one off. These fuckers can complain all they want. We're the Wilshire Ebel Theater. <laughs> I think at one point I was like I would see stuff happen and I, I had made friends with a lot of the staff and I'd be like if we don't do this it's never gonna get done. So like let's just like power hard and bust for like an hour like our life depended on it and. 
things, I mean, it would get done at the end of the night. Like it all happened right. somehow. Um, I mean, that's when you know you're like in the trenches and you're like, these are my, these are my buddies, like in my, you know, like you're, it's a war almost. Right. And if you don't have each other, who do you have? You just have to like get through it. And I think we all like loved each other's company and it was just like absolute hilarity, you know, hearing about people's casting stories and people's days and everyone was just coming from it. Like Los Angeles is so many people, like all the prettiest kids in your high school, like (laughs) fell (laughs) into this, this staff. Like we had this one guy, he was so beautiful and like, you know, everyone, all the the bridesmaids would want to dance with him and all the older ladies that would come for luncheon would want to dance with him. And like, he he never worked. He just sort of like walked around. (laughs) I started, I finally started watching Party Down and it's like, you're describing Party Down. It's fucking crazy. Nothing gets done. Yeah. It was exactly like that. So, Yeah. We had talked about um, a lot about you, you know, you kept catering and then getting to the point where you're you're basically catering like fancy, insane parties, right? Yeah. So I leveled up after I had gotten like the experience and I was like, oh, I understand this. I, I found a company and a private chef simultaneously around like, you know, like 28, 29. And I started exclusively working for them and bartending for them. And these were much bigger, much more professional air quote events. So uh, we were working Emmy and Oscar parties. Mm. We were working at mansions in the hills, you know, sort of that idyllic uh, Hollywood life thing that you think of when you walk into a party and it's this like mid-century modern with the pool overlooking the hills, like that kind of stuff. And I was, I was bartending at least four nights a week at events, especially during busy seasons. I was working all like holidays, New Year's, Christmas, all that stuff, just sort of trying to make some money. And, you know, that was, it it was an interesting time in my life because like I had, uh, I developed like a pretty insane drinking problem, um, like pretty quickly. I had worked Mm -hmm. uh, as a beam girl, like a gym beam I, oh you know, shit shot sure. girl whatever yeah. you, know, you roll up to like bars on the coast like from san diego to san francisco just like what what like jim beam in the house like we had a wrapped vehicle we had the outfits like it was a disaster so yeah like i there it sort of started a little but once i started bartending because i was so unhappy in the that environment like it was such an intense environment and i remember one time i was ke- bartending a Netflix party and I had just shot a series for Vice TV with this girl Rachel who was on that Jessica um hero show I can't remember she was like a superhero named Jessica okay <laughs> and so the other star and I oh uh, Jessica, Jessica Jones, Jones. oh yes right. so Kristen Ritter her co-star and her husband it's written a show for vice with that guy patrick from um that show suits and i had just shot like a set the second episode for that vice tv show and i had to show up at a bartending shift but because it was netflix she was there her husband was there everybody who was working on that tv show is there and i was just like yo what's going on right now like what can i get you a like martini <laughs> like this is a very strange surreal experience that i just left you know working with you and it, and it happens all the time i know of course it does but, i um, i've 100 waited on my peers Right. After I, after I had a big break and then you're like, I, you know, I'm not for money. So if I don't have jobs, I have to go back to the service. Right. Right. And like, I just, 
I just felt like less than for some, you know, I felt, I felt unimportant. I felt all of these sort of like sad feelings that I couldn't have a career like them or that it wasn't happening for me. Like it was happening for them. And so I would drink and I would sure. drink on shift and it made the shifts go by faster. That and is true. <laughs> at one point it was like, Oh, like something's, something's really wrong. Like I'm leaving shifts really angry. I'm leaving feeling exhausted, exploited. I'm leaving feeling in a state of like comparison between me and the people whom I'm serving because they are so wealthy and because they have so much excess and, you know, more times than not, they're very unpleasant. Mm -hmm. um, they're not tipping because a lot of celebrities don't think to carry cash. Yeah, because they get everything for fucking free. Right? Yeah, yeah. But you like, know that's does, how they stay real rich. To carry cash. Mm -hmm. uh, Chappelle and RuPaul. Nice. And I will pour them a glass of water and they gave, like, they tip so handsomely. It's unbelievable. Uh, some the oh my god, the, this is some great press for Dave Chappelle right now. Yeah. Let's like break this off. Let's break this off. Like let's throw it out there and be like, we have good things to say about Dave Chappelle. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it was it was impressive uh, mm -hmm. to to encounter that in the community because it was like again two out of a hundred celebrities. What oh, yeah, and and like not to be any which way. I I've kind of you know surprise surprise probably people who come not from, you know, uh, already baked in means, grandfathered in, Privileged. career already guaranteed for them. Um, of course, RuPaul and Dave Chappelle oh, yeah. know, know what it's like to be on that rung of the ladder that you're on. And yeah, oh, yes. anyways. Especially when you think of like Ru like working for tips and drag clubs, like in the bars, you know what I mean? Like right. for, for years and years. Um, and bef so this is a good, I think, time to transition into like, you know, you worked all these crazy parties like and then you like read tarot and you have this ability. So at some point in the game, especially in a world, the world of Hollywood where people like want to be told their fortune and their future and how things will work out for them, you transition from cater waiter to tarot reader at yeah, the same kinds of insane parties, right? Right. So when I Ooh, told, okay, thread the needle, thread the needle. Okay. When I told the company, I think I have a drinking problem. I have to stop bartending for you. They stopped hiring me. Um, mm -hmm. they were they and they would throw me bones every now and again, but nothing like the four days a week I was working. And also ethically, I couldn't bartend anymore. And I I talked about this like just in my own personal meditation mm -hmm. practice. I felt like not everybody that came up to me had a drinking problem, but one in, you know, whatever the number is did. And I was helping service that habit. And at this point I started meditating more and I started trying to do the inner work that needed to get done to lead me to the reasons why I was choosing to take a substance instead of feel my feelings. Mm -hmm. And I went to India on a pilgrimage. So I had quit drinking uh, about a year and a half before that. And then I went to India on a pilgrimage and I come from a long line of psychics on my mother's side of the family and professional ones. They worked as psychics, as mediums and as tarot card readers. And I was gifted my first tarot set like when I turned like 16 years old and I had always had it around. I had also sort of just had intuitive, you know, uh, opinions, let's call them yeah. <laughs> intuitive opinions. And I was sitting in Bodh Gaya under the Bodhi tree 
and I had the thought that I should transition into reading cards for people and try to maneuver my way out of the catering industry because it was going to put me directly in line with the substance that was causing me so many problems. And I think a lot too about what's called right livelihood in uh, the ethics of Dhamma. And this is about not doing a, a job that can really harm other people. And mm -hmm. I was concerned that I was not only harming myself, but harming other people in, in, in what I was doing. So I decided to start reading tarot cards and I got linked up with like a woman who hi hired tarot card readers for events. People just started catching winds. Like once I put it out on Instagram and put out a couple of videos of me explaining because the tarot is like profoundly misunderstood. Like if anyone has TikTok right now and wants a lot of misinformation, they can find all the incorrect information they've ever wanted about the tarot on TikTok. And then they can go <laughs> figure out the right information by uh, the resource I love is trulyteachmetarot.org. Um, so I started reading at parties and that was a whole other animal in itself. I mean, I was, people were speaking to me as if they had known me for years and they were speaking to me like one would speak to a clinical psychologist um, in, in a 10 minute session in the middle of a Halloween party for Snapchat. It was unreal what people need people need to talk to people. I don't know who the, yeah. like, I don't know what's going on, but the, and, and I would be dressed sometimes as a gypsy and they would come up to me and tell me so much. And, and I would just be like, oh, oh my God, like, do you have a professional in your life? Like this is, I am in, in an unregulated field. So I don't report things like abuse and right. it, it's, it, it, it was unbelievable to see in a party atmosphere I'm sure this happens to bartenders and it did happen to me a little bit as a bartender, but nothing like being a tarot reader. And especially because a lot of the times I was hired as like jokey entertainment, not necessarily like realistic entertainment, but people would sit down and they would take it very seriously. It's um, crazy to me that you are, you, you shared your story about, you know, like how crushing almost it was to try and be a working actor and have it like thrown back in your face and obviously the links you it, it brought you to you know choose sobriety but for the power shift right like all of a sudden you're in this position where you hold all the power yeah. in the room yeah it's and crazy you're like i used to stand over there where that person <laughs> is currently standing mixing your shitty little margarita and I'm here now and there's just like a whole world of just proof that people don't seek the tr the right help that they need, yeah. you know? And I think, I think tarot and sometimes a lot of mysticism where it, it deserves its own respect and its own space, but it's like, it's usually like this really weird gateway for people to be like, I have no one. Like, like I'm surrounded by people who don't listen to me. Um, mm -hmm. Or like maybe I, I'm just even thinking of, just the pylon of celebrity being like everyone works for me and around me, but no one actually talks to me. I'm sure there's like a lot of bizarre oh, attachment. A hundred percent. I I'll never forget. I was reading tarot cards at what, you know, those unique markets. They're like these mm -hmm. really cute um, Los Angeles markets. They're very curated and a very, very famous model came up to me and in 20 minutes, I felt we still to this day, like communicate, mm -hmm. not through tarot, because I don't read anymore. But mm -hmm. um, 
it was as if like, even though she was paying me and paying for a service, it was just as if like someone could just look at her and just listen and not have the expectation of like, you're so successful. You can do so many things for me, or I, I want your approval. And that was something that I kind of got down really fast where I was mm. just like, just sit and just hear what these people are saying and try to give them the advice that is going to be the most helpful and that they're going to be able to understand. Cause a lot of stuff is outside of people's awareness. The majority of the time it is. Um, so you have to do it in, in sort of, you need to be intelligent about the way that you're dosing the information too, as a tarot card reader, which can be really problematic for, again, an unregulated field and eventually the reason why I left. But I, I, and so, yeah, there were a lot of celebrities that it just, you know, no one's free of misery and suffering in this. Oh, money, money is wonderful, but yeah. And, And it's so clear having worked, you know, being the the busser and having people just really treat me like shit and then having the same woman come and sit across from me and just like back the truck up and dump and also just have, again, no, no respect for, you know, the fact that there's another person sitting across from her that has to receive this information as well. Yeah. And I get it was like the job that I signed on to do. And I think eventually that's why I started like moving away from it and, um, moving away from events in general, there's a level two of intoxication that people reach in the middle of the night and they stop hearing things. They're not anything that you're saying until you're like, what are we doing here? You know, like, are you having a tarot session or am I just entertaining you? And if I'm just entertaining you, then I can just tell you about like the cool history of tarot. (laughs) I I, had written down that you kind of went from from one mind reader to another, like someone being like, someone being like, um, didn't you know I needed more red wine to them being like, um, aren't you supposed to tell me what my future husband looks like? Like, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and and more than mind reading, I think one of the things I got really good at from my particular childhood and what happened to me was just watching people very closely and very carefully. I listen to the patterns in their voice and I can watch their body language almost subconsciously at this point. And it just it's it's that infj life man (laughs) it's that (laughs) (laughs) will you will you say because i think i'm an em here say infj baby infj baby oh sorry i didn't mean it that way i meant like um um in uh you get what i'm saying that was the dumbest thing i've ever said uh (laughs) is it fuck what is it what do you mean oh oh with the the um uh, what it the words. stands for. So the first one uh, has to do with introversion. Yes. So you have an I or an E at the beginning. And this just means that, you know, w- where you sort of harness your strength, if you will. And so a lot right. of people can harness it from being around other people. But for me personally, it has to come, even though like I, I'm super extroverted right now, I have to be alone for- I need, yes. Certain I have the same- same eye at the beginning of my yeah I, I just forget what I am but I think I'm almost <laughs> like you like I need a lot of um downtime like the face mask has to go on the deep like lost in my head not being bothered and then I can then yeah. you can shine talk yeah can talk. exactly yeah. and 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 two I don't know if anyone's listening because it is sort of like a crystal related episode like I also am a what's called a human design reflector and this is if you've never heard of human design it sort of combines a lot of different techniques of astrology and I Ching. it's interesting I'm not 100% on board with it but um sure why not like why not just learn about something else and the type is it, it, 
it, it can tend to, and I can tend to absorb a lot of what's in the room. And so mm -hmm. I make a really bad person to be in catering or bartending or because <laughs> I'm just taking everything sort of just like filtering through me and I'm seeing everything and it's like, it gets too overwhelming. Sure. And yeah. eventually the tarot got really overwhelming. One of the, a, a really positive, I guess, fun si situation is like when people have a laugh or when people, uh, you know, I have really, I'm good at guessing, I guess. So people get really surprised in a humorous way that I predicted something. Um, but then also too, sometimes it's a gateway to them being like, oh, I would like to know more about myself. And that serves everybody. Absolutely. The more you can know about yourself, the more you can service everyone around you. Um, and, and if you want to be in the real service industry, you have to like get, get in. You sure do. You sure <laughs> as fuck got to get in there, which I have learned over the years. Um, I want to say, Ooh, should we start, should we start a new, like adjacent podcast with you called the self-service industry? Yes, self -service industry. Yeah. And um, you know, hippie QBC, and I knew you before that, but seeing you and seeing this business, uh, take root, um, and, and, and grow is that while what you do with the crystals that you bring forth are some of the most beautiful pieces I've ever seen in my life, Brooke, they're the, in crystals I'm, in their most raw form. I mean, the, 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 the beauty of it all is insane, but at the same time, it's very real. You are, you're dealing in some of the most, again, most amazing crystals, but you don't take yourself seriously. <laughs> you guys have so much fun with it and you're silly and like you get your nails done so beautifully to like show off your QVC crystal. So like, like right here. Yeah, that one's sick. That one's super sick. Follow, um, subscribe. Follow. She's holding up a, a piece of, if anyone knows their mineralogy, she's, she was holding up a piece of what's called Apache chrysoprase, which is actually a combination of chrysoprase and lapis. There is turquoise in there. There's chrysocolla. There's malachite in there. It grows in Arizona. It's a native rock. We have great rocks in the U.S., specifically in the Dakotas, believe it or not, in Arkansas. Uh, we've got some beautiful, beautiful uh, specimens that come out of the United States. They rival uh, specimens from all over the world. There's a little I mean, bit of a crystal competition going all on. All the things that are happening in that one piece are like insane, right? And, you know, it's wild. It's, 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 it's wild. And it's not really like, um, it's not that common. So I try to go, you know, I grew up in New York City. I had parents in fashion. So I try to lead with um, the fashion forward of crystals, if you will. Like I try to find things that are obscure, avant-garde, um, artistically inspired. I grew up going to museums um, as very much part of regular practice was visiting places like the MoMA and um, visiting places like the the new museum when it opened but i think one of like a, a huge standout for me was walking into the guggenheim as a child and mm -hmm. marveling at just colors and sounds and all the things that uh were honored within this building and i feel like minerals have a place in that and that's why i got really attracted to working with the specimens because they are in their own way artistic bits of and icons for people beyond uh what people attach to them metaphysically it's, mm -hmm. it's earth art <laughs> like hands down it is <laughs> it's just raw it's in its rawest form art that just it's it's we have such a detachment to and i mean this i'm not trying to even get fully on a completely different topic that we could go down a <laughs> but 
we're so um, detached from the natural world mm-hmm. that people don't even understand that these are materials that are like what the fabric, you know, like mm-hmm. just this whole like like where why why do you deny climate change? Like you don't even understand you know, and you're going, they probably deny it because it's like, they really do like live in a Costco reality mm-hmm. of just yeah. like, it's, a, and I'm not, I'm not criticizing it. I'm just saying it's crazy that nature also now seems like a weird privilege. And they're robot you know, waiters. For people to experience. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Brave uh, world that has such robots in it. <laughs> I know we we absolutely commend you for shifting to retail, which is the sister of the serve the restaurant industry, if you will, Um, and, 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 and doing both sides of it, you know, and I thought that to wrap up today and of course oh, yeah. please come back anytime we have so much more to oh, talk about i feel yeah, like yeah i would love to hang in real life um, too. are are you in arizona or you're but you're la based was that I'm, just I your geotag yeah oh perfect let's all do something yeah please. she is not too far from you she's just over in mount washington and you are in glassell so you guys are not that far from each other okay. all right neighbor friend let's hang um so i thought you could provide us with some uh crystals for the service industry okay. for an arsenal if you will a a collection of protection uh, maybe abundance maybe like you know of the crystals that would line up with what it takes to be a successful person in the service industry so, yeah 100%. you know I, I totally, I get the assignment. Uh, so I am, I'm just going to preface by saying that like my affinity lies in geology and like mm-hmm. chemical structures and understanding formations. But of course, I know a lot about lore and I know a lot about the met- metaphysical elements of crystals. So my my opinion is is a pretty common one that people should go towards what they're attracted to if they're going to slip it in their pocket or if they're going to, um, you know, wear it on them while working a difficult job or going through a difficult time. I, again, think of it as an external token or implement that reflects back to you the intention that is going into a space. So if you're a server working in a really hostile environment and you feel like you need a little bit of like self-care and self, um, sort of, I don't know what it is, like that space between you and everything that's happening around you, that sort of uh, buffer. And and there's a crystal that you're looking for to achieve that. Pick one that maybe makes you feel loved and safe. So that way you're just reflecting, like I could tell you like what kinds of stones are associated with that. With protection, people like to use tiger's eye or they like to use what's called azurine or they like to use um, obsidian. Obsidian, yeah. Um, a lot of the black ones, like ilvite is another good one, but, but if you think about what's underneath the protection, you feel unsafe. And so what's making you feel unsafe? And it probably has something to do with boundary or probably has something to do with like a negativity that's coming at you. And then there's a whole nother layer of crystal that could come out of that. You know, um, malachite has a very old classical meaning and it has to do with like, um, a sort of transformation and protection of the soul as it moves from space to space. Um, it, it, it if you ever seen Anna Karenina, the movie with, um, what is her name? Kiera Knightley. Mm-hmm. Her husband, uh, Alexei, keeps their sort of um, sexual contraception in a malachite case. 
And the like the history of keeping things in malachite containers, containing things that need to be contained, transforming things when they need to be transformed is an old, old historical um trope i guess so if you want to hold on to your wine key keep it in a malachite <laughs> keep container it in a malachite is what you're case. saying right? so gonna steal it because but... <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna interact with a lot of different spirits hello um okay. I, malachite is beautiful by the way i love any green stone i'm i'm super attracted to and that one is great so what about weight mirrors we all are susceptible to them if you you know you know that you know the weight mirror yeah. Sita. <laughs> yeah i remember having my very first one and i couldn't believe i was dreaming about Racking dishes and panic um, about at the Wilshire Ebell of all places, um, <laughs> hanging on by a thread. That place, no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> I also was just like all those like great headlines Andrea was talking about about improvements and like quality of robots. life. Robots, yeah. well, right? And I was I was like, yeah, that's not going anywhere near the cater industry. <laughs> the catering industry. Sorry. No, no. You're going to be uh, driving to Palm Springs at 4 a.m. to set up a wedding for 400 people and half the staff isn't going to show up. Yeah, yeah, that guy's like siphoning the air conditioning in the kitchen and like putting it into like his trailer outside. Like, <laughs> Oh my God. So um, like nightmares, that's really interesting. Um, you know, disruptive sleep is the uh, uh, thing I wish upon nobody, but I have heard that people have had a lot of success with aventurines, uh, specifically the greens, not the reds. Um, I've also heard people having success, and that's a really easy stone to get a hold of. It's not very expensive either. Uh, lipidolite, I'm a big fan of because it actually has, you know, the chemical structure is lithium based. So holding that um, is said to imbue the properties of lithium. And another thing I would say is pick something that makes you feel at peace. You, you know, I'm really a big fan of looking at crystals like art. And so if you have this a really uh, sort of active piece of art where a man is like hurtling uh, an arrow through the air and you're waking up every morning and looking at that, you probably don't want that over your bed or right in front of you. You probably want something that imbues, unless that makes you feel calm. And if that makes you feel calm, then you know you can unpack that in psychotherapy later. <laughs> I just love it when people hurtle arrows through the air. <laughs> You just uh, you just made me uh, take pause for a moment. I just inherited a, like a beautiful triptych piece of artwork uh, that I was like, oh, this will look good in the bedroom. But it is like what's a happening bunch of, in the picture. There's a lot going on. There it's are busy. men running, chasing bulls. Yeah, uh, it's you know. So, OK, that shouldn't go over the bed, maybe. Right. Because I mean, that's sort of the feng shui perspective, too. It's just Absolutely. very activating. Like put it in a place where you want to be activated. You, I mean, maybe there are times when you want to be activated. Put it in the bathroom, Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> Over the toilet, Van Poplin. Keep something in your your room or your personal space that that makes you feel sweet and calm and uh, imbues that sense of quiet for you. Okay, you're totally, yeah. Okay, cool. I love it. And anybody looking to, you know, find you um, and crystals are attracted to or that they have feelings for, like they can find you at Hippie QBC on the old Instagram. And how often are you doing the live auctions these so days? They happen twice 
a week. So they happen on Sunday mornings around 11 a.m. and they happen on Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. And it's really easy. Anyone can join. It's a very easy, uh, painless way to shop. And the community is super cool as well. So if you're like nervous about like logging onto a live, like who is this lady and like talking to me, I promise it's it's always fun. It's it's like an interactive podcast where you're shopping. It's yes. crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, I will say as as someone who has has joined in, I would like Heather said early in the story, trust your gut. If you want that crystal, you better say that's mine or someone's gonna take it real quick. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And I always try to um you know, if you lose out on something that you really had your heart set on, I always try to search for people, you know, I, I go to gem shows all over the world at this point. And it is, it's a real pleasure to be able to discover things that are so unique and so special and so, um, and bring so much joy to people's houses. That to me is like, Amazing. I landed where I needed to land. I was like, oh, <laughs> catering, acting, no, no, tarot, no. Huh. <laughs> Sitting, doing Instagram sales, being in my sweatpants. Nice. And- I love it. <laughs> well, it was a pleasure to for you to be on the show today. We are so happy you were able to join us. And, to, you know, for me to get, you know, deeper on, on, an, on, a, on a level like this is warms my heart like entirely. Um, yeah. Brooke, should we, I, should I, we wrap her up? <laughs> we sh- I mean, other than saying I feel like we've all been friends for 150 episodes already. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, Sita, so much thank for you. joining us. Uh, yeah, by the way, I gave that shit a follow. You'll be hearing from me. We'll meet in real life. It's going to be great. Absolutely. You know, and I want to say one more thing about being kismet is that like you leading in and like being so open about your sobriety is a topic we're actually going to tackle on our next episode or two. So you're leading into it with grace, like, you know, paving a path for us to talk more in depth about it. So, wow. Yeah. I was going to say, wow. And just know that like it's possible because let me tell you, it was a strong pull towards uh, not being sober. So it's, you know, it's great because sometimes in this industry, the service industry, it's really hard to, to see what's going on, uh, amid so much of it. So, yeah. And it's, it's funny. We touched on it just barely when we were still pretty young. And I think we've attracted a lot more listeners. We've been through a pandemic at this point. Um, there's so much going on. We're entering the holidays, which are historically hard, um, for people and substance issues. And so I think we're going to land right smack dab at the right time with a little, you know, talk about sobriety soon. I can't so, wait yeah, to listen. Th- yeah. Um, thank you so much for yeah, uh, priming absolutely. the pump. <laughs> you guys, hippie QVC, get over there, do all your holiday shopping for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, other than that, you guys, those server submitted stories, of course, we love to hear them. Send them our way. Sideworkpod at gmail.com. And Brooke, you know what we say at the end of every episode, especially the 150th episode. Oh my God. Godspeed and good podcasting. Godspeed and good feels, guys. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week.